and welcome back to this week's episode of the Mike the Gardener Gardening Podcast, sponsored as always by those rather lovely people at Natural Grower. Now, Natural Grower supply plant-based products for both organic and chemical-free gardening and your houseplants. They're absolutely crammed with certified organic growing power. And if you're looking for amazing results with all of your fruit and veg, your flower beds and houseplants, then Natural Growers award-winning certified organic peat-free compost and fertilizer are the very best you can buy. And your plants and gardens will love you for using it. All products are certified organic. They're 100% chemical-free and 100% peat-free. And those rather lovely people at Natural Grower have given me an exclusive 15% discount off all products for my listeners. Just pop MIC15 into the apply coupon field when you check out. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Mike the Gardener Gardening Podcast. Now, first and foremost, you'll have to excuse my voice because I'm bunged up with man flu and we all know how bad that can be, don't we guys? <laughs> Illnesses aside, I recorded this episode with the lovely Miranda Yanatka a few weeks ago and we had a great chat about her career, her brand new book, Happy Indoor Garden, which is out now and published by Batsford Books. Happy Indoor Garden is a must-have if you need help or are looking for houseplant inspiration. I certainly am, because although I'm better than I've ever been with houseplants, there is definitely room for improvement. Hmm, doesn't that sound like a teacher's comment on a school report? <laughs> but it's very true. So we chat all about the book, how it came about, her first book, A Flower a Day, and how Miranda got into gardening and talking about everything about her career to date. I started our chat by asking Miranda what was her first gardening memory. Wow, my first gardening memories were planting out sweet peas and discovering quite quickly if you don't protect them, they get destroyed by cats. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and also if you don't keep your herb garden in check, your mother will just mow it over with a lawnmower. So you mentioned your mum. So were your parents gardeners? Are your parents gardeners? Um, a little bit. And my father would grow things like kohlrabi and he was he was Czech. Um, and my mother, lavender and sunflowers, she still potters around a bit. But my grandfather, he was a pharmacist on my father's side and he wrote a book about the medicinal use of herbs. He was a pharmacist. So that there's been a, interestingly, not just the plants, but writing and plants kind of somewhere in the bloodline. But uh, Wow, that's incredible that it's come down, dumped a generation, but come to you writing and gardening. <laughs> Yes, and I want to say I'm terribly proud to be from Wembley, by the way. So there's none of this, you know, I grew up in acres of <laughs> greenery. I was climbing trees in my rollerblades, as one did in the 90s. So, you know. <laughs> rollerblades were a thing. Sadly, it never came my way. Well, luckily, it never came my way. Early plant loves. Are there any particular plants or um, grow your own that you remember from your youth and that you still grow now? Oh, absolutely. And it's something I like to do with kids, which was something that I enjoyed as a kid, are all the different types of mint. So pineapple mint, chocolate mint. I was obsessed as a child that you could get these sort of strange mints and they're so easy to grow. 
And so I do find myself returning to this now as I work with children, as I work with my own child. So those are important plants to me, I think, because you can eat them or sniff them. You know, there's something very multi-sensory going on. <laughs> it's very nice when you can pop foliage in your mouth and there's something beautiful, mm. sort of like fresh in the garden, which we always say, but it is lovely, isn't it? Oh, it's one, it's the best, isn't it? I mean, you've got tomatoes at the moment. Mine seem to have been late to the party, but they're coming now. Yeah, mine have been pretty bad this year. Had a really good year last year, disappointing this year. Um, but sweet pepper's coming on nicely. So, oh, very nice. And I'm more an ornamental grower than a grow your own. Now, you just mentioned then working with children. Now, were you a teacher? I seem to remember in my research that, that working with children and a teacher. Yeah, absolutely. I was a primary school teacher and I was doing community gardening while I was doing that, um, which is how I had a, the uh, we had a gardener at the primary school in Finsbury Park I worked at and she had trained at Capel Manor, which is how I found out about that. The primary school is in Finsbury Park, so not a million miles away from Enfield. And that was sort of what led me into queue and the bits I had no idea existed. So that was that was really quite wonderful to do. And I'm, I'm so pleased I discovered Capel Manor. Which led to Q. So at what point did you realise that there was a career in gardening or writing for you? At, at what age were you when you discovered that? Well, we found a couple of years ago my diary from when I was a kid. And it said something like, came back from drama class, played with the hose in the garden. <laughs> I thought, never really changed, really. I know, that, I know there's more, she says, after five years of training. I know there's more to gardening than just playing with a hose, but it's a, it's not a bad place to start, is it really? You know? <laughs> so, so five years at Kew? So, gosh, so anyone interested in training in, in horticulture, you can start with a BTEC or an RHS level. And I went for the BTEC level three. At the time, I sort of understood it, it would offer me more practical than the RHS, but it might not be the same 10 years later. Um, I had a very good tutor, David Francis, who's now moved to Japan, because why not? Um, but he was always voted tutor of the year. And so after my BTEC level three, then I discovered that there was a Q traineeship. They don't tell you this stuff when you're at school. They're telling you to be teachers and doctors and things. No one says, be a botanical horticulturalist. And I thought, oh, wow, yeah. oh nice, jolly, I'll go and do that. And I fell in love with Q and I fell in love with horticulture. And so I did the traineeship. They changed the names of these sort of courses. At the time, you could do various traineeships for you. And I did Glasshouse, which was incredible. You spent six months in one of the nurseries and six months in one of the glasshouses. And I was obsessed. I thought, I'm not going anywhere. So I applied for the diploma, which you need two years experience. And at that point, I had mm. and um, did the Q diploma and then stayed as staff. And I'd been doing little bits and pieces for Gardener's World magazine, which is in Hammersmith. So not too far from Q Gardens at all. And um, they had a job come up. I thought, hey, <laughs> hey, let's do that. I could drink wine at lunchtime. So I won't be driving a tractor or any using any heavy machinery. Why the hell not? I, I found a gardener I'm going to take with me from Q. <laughs> we'll get our own garden and use everything we've learned and live the good life and all of that. So I sort of moved into writing at that point, which was which was absolutely lovely. And there's been an opportunity to meet so many people, you know, Alan and Monty and Carol and and, and just yourself, your good self. It's it's wonderful. I, I always find it funny when people say, oh, gardeners are the nicest people. No, there are some divas out there. 
I mean, I'm pointing at myself. Are you pointing at yourself? <laughs> I actually, yeah, I have actually described myself as an Instagram <laughs> and there are, but um, yeah. Oh, but you know what I mean? It's a bit of a trope, isn't it? The gardeners are the nicest people in the world. But to be honest, 99% of the time, that's actually true, isn't it? I kind of hate it, but um, most of them are absolutely lovely, aren't they? They're wonderful people to be around. So I, I just love being around gardeners. I think most gardeners are generous with their time and with their knowledge. And as you say, yeah, the old divas aside, most of us are a pretty decent bunch of people. And it's a lovely industry to work within, isn't it? Very generous with knowledge, cuttings. You know, it's a very sharing kind of um, hobby, isn't it, really? Yeah. And that's the lovely thing, the community side of things, whether it's in real life or on Instagram or social media, a really welcoming, embracing, generous community. So it doesn't get much better than that, does it? No, 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 no. Now, whilst you were at Kew, any other notable students, anybody who's sort of like like yourself gone on to do things that people we might know? Oh, gosh, I'm trying to think now. A few of them have stayed on at Kew. So Tom and Selene, um, I'm trying to think. I know we're probably going to go out a couple of months after we're recording, but they've just been doing a wonderful sort of skit on the Kew Gardens Instagram page where they're seeing what they can weigh on the water lilies, which is really good fun. And, and they've, um, they went and got married. I tell you what, if you want to fall in love, go to Kew. It does seem to be the place to work in there to meet well, someone. I was going to say, what, <laughs> alongside other notable students at Kew, were there any prospective possible life partners at Kew, Miranda? Hey, darling, several, but you can only pick one. <laughs> <laughs> and the one is new hubby, Andrew. <laughs> Thank you, Lee. Yes, so I went for my manager in the end. Um, <laughs> oh, he was your manager. Oh, Miranda. <laughs> he wasn't when we got together, but but that's how I that's how I met him. He taught me how to graft, which I thought was magical, really. So, which oh, it is. As in graft trees, not graft <laughs> as in work graft. Oh no, I've never done a day of that in my life. Yes, no, to to graft. Uh, we, we we have the Davidia that I grafted, which is now for it is a little bit of a runty thing, but it was the first thing I'd ever done in our front garden. So the handkerchief tree. And you know, it's very romantic. But as you know, it, it's a lot, a lot of practice, you know, to get those cuts right, your elastic bands and your wax and the patience and the heat and everything. It's such a science meets magic. And I think I fell in love. <laughs> well, that's a lovely story. But I'm going to ask now, who's the head gardener? When you have two professional gardeners, who is head gardener at home? How does that work? Oh, gosh, it's like having chefs, isn't it? I, I, I try and take director of lifestyle and, and he takes more of the botanical sort of route. <laughs> I, um, I felt quite bad because we, we got a press release about the trip to Vietnam, which I know he's not going on because we've got a little one now. So I think that for a couple of years, he's not going to be doing any far flung weeks and weeks of plant collecting with Cambridge and Edinburgh Botanic Garden and Kew. He's taking a little bit of a back step, which I'm, I didn't want to get in his way. I didn't say, you know, you can't go plant collecting, but I'm quite glad he's made that decision because it's quite a long, scary thing you know you don't hear from them for ages and um you don't know what's going on just lots of leeches but uh but yes sorry to answer your question he thinks he is and i um let him think that <laughs> right let's take you back to gardener's world how long have you been there about 10 years now isn't it i was yes just before we started i was saying i very first got involved with Gardens World magazine 10 years ago as a work experience. So something which doesn't exist anymore, I don't think, was the John Deere Journalism Apprentice 
thing. Have you heard of it? It'd be quite interesting for guild members, I think, or people they know who want to get into journalism. You know of John Deere, but I didn't know of the apprentice scheme, yeah. Yeah, it's a Guild of Agriculture. It used to be Guild of Agriculture and Horticulture. I think it might just be geared towards sort of farming now. But at the time, you got a week in Nottingham. You got to try out all the John Deere tractors, um, get trained in journalism, and then you you went and did a work experience somewhere. And mine was Gardener's World magazine. Um, could have gone very differently had I got a hot week. You know, who knows? <laughs> So it was exciting. So I did that. And then I stayed on doing bits of freelance for them. And when they were doing shoots at Q, I'd help out. And I just sort of kept in, really. And um, and then five years ago, they had a job come up. And, and yes, and as I was saying, I was sort of ready then. I sort of get them every five years. You sort of look around and think, gosh, is there anything else I can learn? <laughs> And, and and so I, I I jumped ship and joined them, which which is which is wonderful. It's very exciting. Never a dull day at Gardeners World magazine. Your job now are you are you still senior content creator? And if so, what does that job entail? Well, gosh, over the summer I've been terribly busy because we were talking about growing with children. They sort of put me overseeing um, family growing. So getting a lot of that, and obviously that all needs to be done in the summer holidays to sort of capture the children while they're off on you know what what is it originally it was allowed for to help in the field I'm not sure it was meant to be to help Gardeners World magazine but um, (laughs) doing all these wonderful projects with parents and their kids I've been zooming around and it's been such good fun exhausting Mm. working with children but I'm doing some really great shoots so they'll be probably the next few years um coming out and working with some great gardeners through that so so I do that um I'm the main point of contact I sort of coordinate the podcast which is which is a beast I mean obviously yours is also a beast but ours we've we've um recently I say recently because it was a few weeks ago we hit four million listens so actually it's probably more more like you know a few hundred more thousand than that it's good going isn't it yeah it's really good going so that's really, really fun. And I really enjoyed kind of coordinating that. And some of it we do in-house and some of it we do, we interview other people and some of it are, are talent-led. Obviously, we've had some series um, led by Adam Frost and Arit. And it's just that 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 could be its own job, really. And I'm sure, as you know, um, those things take a lot of time. So I do that. I do photo shoots, write content commission for the magazine, Um little favorite of mine is over the fence so I really enjoy finding writers which I'm sure some of them I have I found some of them through the guild if you ever wonder if anyone's looking at the directory we are so you know polish it up so I found some nice writers through there so over the fence um, I make it a mix of serious topics and then some quite fun topics so we've looked at um, the use of peat we've looked at garden ornaments you know anything where I think there's conversation to be had um, and there's room for discussion and it's not necessarily that people have different like polar opposite opinions maybe it's biodiversity and gardens it's just and I think really useful in a digestible way for people to see two different perspectives and make their own decision up I think a lot of our media can be quite clickbaity or do you know what I mean and I think give people the full picture you know is it hard for big nurseries to stop this year pesticide use you know is it more complicated than that you know you and I we we know about sort of professional gardening these things they're quite different and I think just knowing the factors and knowing 
where progress is being made, but it's not as simple or black and white. I think it's really useful. So yes, I do love over the fence. Crops in pots. I mean, that kicked off. Who would have seen that coming? People get very passionate about this stuff. Tell us about that. What what was that? What happened there? So crops in pots. Pippa Greenwood in one corner and Harriet Rycroft in the other. So Pippa is pro-crocs and Harriet is against them. And it was really interesting hearing why and not. And I think a lot of it, sometimes we do things for tradition, but also understanding that there is no right way, that what you're doing is going to be based on what pots you're using, what compost you're using, what plants you're using. And so I think having those discussions helps people realise and then they go, oh God, I'm doing this wrong. It is realising you're doing what works for you. You know, keep experimenting, keep talking and learning from others. And and that's what's quite fun because it's like, oh, well, my granddad taught me this or, you know. How do you find great content? Because within the world of gardening, it's there's a lot to cover, but there's some core subjects that come up again and again. How do you look for creative new content? So you mean all that perennial evergreen content? It still sounds very horticultural, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think it's important that even though things are perennial and evergreen, they are changing every year. I think the information we've got is changing every year. I mean, it goes very far back but say you know there used to be advice of you know put your old cigarettes in water and turn that into a bug control or you know (laughs) you think of some some of the things have changed you know it's very exciting now looking at the different types of pots and what they're made of so even though you're right that's it's some of the same topics i think often there are new ways there's certainly new plant varieties um there's new techniques um, there's new styles or stuff coming back in. So great new content. I think if you're passionate about what you're writing about, you, you, you know, you've got a, you've got a feeling of, OK, let's let's explore this or let's see what's the latest on that. And people, gardeners are interested. Favourite part of your job? Mm. Talking to gardeners. Talking to gardeners. Yeah, 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 yeah. And getting their plants. <laughs> Keeping it very real. Is there a a least favourite part of the job? Is there a part of the job that's like, mm, it's part of the job, but don't enjoy that bit so much? Oh, yeah, 100%. It's called IR35, and it's a form from the government for anyone who comes in freelance. <laughs> I have to fill it in every bloody time. <laughs> anyone, I think, oh, great, here's a great new writer. Um, I have to go through a lot of steps now um, to make sure we're doing everything right. So, yeah, admin, I suppose. It's the same for anyone, isn't it, really? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> it works in the background, doesn't it? First book, A Flower a Day, a beautiful book. Thank How you. Did this come about? Well, the publishers contacted me. They found me. I think we've talked about this before. They found me on the Garden Media Guild directory. Thank you very much. Worth the membership. And they do a they do a series of a something a day. I quite like a cloud a day. I like a dog a day. There is a tree a day, which is another good one people might like if they like a flower a day. And they said, right, we would love if you could write about 366 flowers, but we'd like them to be in flower. And I said, well, in flower in this country, in flower in another country. And they said, okay, well, there's a bit of freedom with that, you know, but make it clear that that's what the writing is about when you write about them. And I thought, well, that's nice because then you could do a book about native plants that are in flower. And I use that word native. Can we, oh gosh, I get very frustrated when people talk about native and what's not native. Um, You could write about plants you predominantly find in the world in the UK, but this isn't. And I love that it's not. It does have some of those flowers that you'll go out and see on your walk. And if you look at the day, of 
the year, you, you will find that out. And some of them are more about what you're going to find in flower in other parts of the country. But hey, go to a botanic garden and you'll probably see them in flower at the same time. <laughs> as a writer, as a journalist, when somebody says, we'd like you to write a book, what thoughts go through your head at that time when you've been asked? Cha-ching! No. <laughs> No, if you're a writer or a garden writer, you definitely know that is not the noise. <laughs> so I think for some people, writing a book is absolutely a bucket list sort of thing. And it, and it was so exciting to have something to hold that I'd written, that I could dedicate to people that I loved, and I could go and do events. I, I really enjoyed the one I did at Burford. That is a beautiful garden centre. And I went on Radio 2 and talked about it. You know, there's some really exciting things you get to do with Keris Matthews. So, gosh... That was a real highlight. Gosh, you'd write a book just to meet Caris Matthews, wouldn't you? Exactly, exactly. So that was so a lot of hard work. I think um, if you do do any freelance writing um, or writing for a magazine and you feel like, oh, my goodness, people keep editing me and writing boring or <laughs> that's all brilliant training. You know, I think get as much experience as you can like that because it really helps you become a great writer and be able to sort of uh, manage yourself because I think people can get, get stuck into, I can't do this or it's not good enough. And actually when you're writing quite a lot, you know, okay, we're going to do this three times. Let's just bleh it out then we'll come back and do a rough edit and then we'll polish it and I think if you don't do it like that if you're trying to micro polish as you go along oh god it's like ice skating then you know you, you, you're all over the shop that's strange because that was my next question as a <laughs> is it a walk in the park uh, but you've you've explained that very well how different is it though from the day job of writing for the magazine when you are writing your own book is there any difference in your approach do you do you find yourself looking more carefully at the words? And when you get to that polishing stage, is it even more sort of like, really need to make this right? This is my book. It's got my name on it. I, I do everything thoroughly. No, I, I and I think you have that eagle eye. I think it's really important when you do your own book, even though there will be someone else proofing it, get people around you to proof it. Um, and as much as when you're at work, you would step away and have another look at something, you're even closer to something. You know, it's even harder to see the mistakes. I think you have to be aware of that, that, that it's hard. It's, yeah, it's easier to slip up. I mean, I felt exhausted by the end of reading and reading and reading and reading it. I, I think I watched, um, what is that new Sex in the City called? And just like that, I just like binge watched the whole first season after I finished editing my books so and my brain had just melted. <laughs> So how long after publishing A Flower a Day did this come along? He says, holding up Happy Indoor Garden. This And this is really exciting for me. So the first book, as I said, is part of what they do as a, load of, as a range of series, right? So it's quite um, prescriptive in I know what they want. I mean, it's certainly my own curation. Um, I've done the research. I've chosen the plants. It's a bit like going coming around to mine for dinner. You know, I haven't invented any of the recipes. I've sort of gone, you know, here and here, and I've done it in my own delightful way. And, and all of that, which, which a lot of writing is, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But what was quite exciting about this book is that they sort of said, would you like to write a book about houseplants? And that was sort of the memo, you know, so it was a, there was kind of, whoa, 
what do I think is missing? You know, I read a lot of books about houseplants. What would I do if I was going to do a book about houseplants? So that was really exciting. Again, you can get into a danger zone of, oh God, how am I going to write this? But my way around it was I had a word limit or how many words they were going to pay me for anyway. You know, I knew how many illustrations they would pay for. And so I sort of divided words by images. Does that make sense? So I knew there could be 80 illustrations. I thought, okay, well, I know I want a plant directory. I think, you know, a lot of good plant books, you need that section. You really need someone to be able to look up that plant. So I want half the book to be that, right? So that's going to be sort of 40 plants I'm going to write about. That leaves me with half the word count and 40 images to do something else. And then I started thinking, okay, well, then how many rooms? And so I think I've done five rooms. That's so many images per room. Do you see what I mean? And it starts writing itself a bit. You, you, you're breaking it all down into you've sort of like, yeah, you've got this framework of <laughs> work to actually then write upon, which is, yeah, it's a great way of working. That, that makes great sense to me. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. I mean, you know, you need to not stunt the creativity aspect, I suppose. But I think as with anything you are making to sell, start with what the need is. Right. And so the reader, I I feel that there is an element of knowing the plant is important. And then I think there's an element of rooms. What can I grow in which room? And I felt they had equal weight. So, yeah, so that really helped me then sort of drill down and then get quite creative because this was quite fun. So the illustrator is absolutely wonderful. Georgie McOsland, she is on Instagram and she did beautiful, beautiful illustrations. But I drew her um, not so much for the plant, individual plants, but for the setups, the designs for each room, I drew her sort of like scamps, what I wanted. Mm. And so it was really quite fun sending off my awful little um, sketches and then seeing these beautiful drawings come back, watercolored and just stunning. Yeah, all, all of those. These little images here and the the images, I say, by Georgie McCosland are beautiful. And as an illustrator myself, I appreciate the words and the illustrations, but the whole package works beautifully together. But these templates, sketches came from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so obviously I'm thinking about things I've done in my house, things I've seen, and, and trying to merge everything together and thought, wouldn't it be better if it was like this? So the words and then the the images do sort of come together. So it's sort of, you know, a dark cold hallway what are you going to grow there you know on top of a radiator but it's hot but it's dark it's cold but it's bright you know because those are the problems those where we go wrong in, in our real non-instagram life <laughs> how good are you with houseplants because i'm not good I, hands up full disclosure as a horticulturalist i'm not good with houseplants Gosh, so I think the word good is is tricky. I I I'm really against like plant shaming and <laughs> and all of that. So technically, yeah. So my traineeship was in glass. And then my diploma, my three years was all, you know, everything from fruit to veg to plant to you know, outdoor, indoor, all of it. And then my job at Kew was back in the tropical nursery. So I was growing propagating plants for the temperate house. So my passion is in, it's funny, you, you, you know, you'd call them tropical plants at Kew in, in a garden center there, you know, house plants. <laughs> but it's it's the same, it's the same plant. So I really do enjoy house plants. So why do I say I don't like the word good? Um, I think I can be neglectful. I think I can, well, there's me dropping my partner in it. He'll go, oh, that looks great. You know, you end up buying plants and they might get lost behind other plants. You know, I think it's horrid to think that there are people that are great at growing and some who are not. I think 
my falling down would be being too ambitious, um, buying on impulse. And that, yeah, not that I'm trying to keep plugging my book, but the impulse buy is part of the reason I really wanted the directory because I thought it's not all about I'm going to buy a book and then decide what plant to grow. Sometimes you know, it happens with shoes, it happens with food, it happens with plants. You see a very beautiful plant. Maybe it's the begonia maculata with its beautiful back of red leaf that inspired Louis Vuitton shoes. i got to have it, right? And you take it home. Now what do I do with it? And that's not bad gardener. You know, no. that's passion-led gardener. So I wanted as much to think, okay, this is a room, what can I fill in it? And that's what the first half of the book deals with. The second half of the book is, okay, I bought this plant. What do I need to know? Now, just picking up on Georgie's illustrations. Now, I'm going to show you this. Obviously not good for a podcast. <laughs> here. Now, I have the plant, the aforementioned illustration, here. Mm. It's, I, I can't remember the name of this. I want to say money plant. I'm, I'm not giving you the botanical name, am I? Um... And we'll take this pit out, but it's it's ripe for propagation because there is so much going on underneath the bottom. But I also seem to recall, can you take the leaves off this and just pop them into compost and they, or water and they root very, very quickly? Yeah, I mean, the more you can take of that plant, the better. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. I would try and take a, a nice, I wouldn't just take the sort of the petiole there. I would take a, a sort of a stem cutting. But um, but yeah, definitely, I, I would use um, sort of quite free draining and, and keep it keep it moist. Don't let it dry out. But, you know, with, with succulents, they're tricky because you don't want to rot either. But uh, the, yeah, the watermelon plant is also a lovely one for doing similar cuttings. And what I like about your book, and again, as a self-confessed, not particularly brilliant, the, the room scenario is great because generally our bathrooms, our hallways, our stairways, the light conditions and the humidity conditions are fairly good. So for me, oh, thank goodness. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Was it was it easier book two? Did you sort of fall into, I mean, as a trained professional writer, and you've mentioned you 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 had that mindset, you had the framework, but was the whole process? It's like I've done this before, as as with anything. I know this, I know how to do it, I can do it well. Was it quicker, easier? Yeah, so I think so. The publisher had sort of talked about it over the summer, and then had asked me to sort of pitch what I would do if I was going to do a book on house plants, and I submitted my pitch. And then it only, only sort of got green lit. And I really didn't want to start working on something that wasn't going to happen. I think that's important as with freelance work. Don't overinvest in something. It's so easy to do that. And then you feel gutted. <laughs> you know, so I was reading and thinking. Um, and then once it got green lit, I knew that I wanted it finished before I went back to Gardener's World magazine. Because, oh, yeah, by the way, I was on maternity leave with a <laughs> baby. <laughs> a glutton punishment. So, so I gave myself three months to write it, you know, and, and my partner was brilliant. He took annual leave. My mum came up, you know, and for me, um, it was actually really healthy to have that lovely balance. I, I missed working. I love my baby, but it was fun at nighttime when she, I've got photos of me sort of holding it like this with the laptop between my knees, you know, typing. But for me, it's a healthy thing to be writing. You know, so, so you know, don't kill yourself. And I think it's easy for people to, to burn out. I'm not suggesting that. But I think if you can find a balance, 
that you get a break. Um, that was a really nice thing for me to be thinking about plants when I couldn't move much. <laughs> Happy Indoor Garden, published by Batsford on the 12th of October. By the time this goes out, it might just have hit the shelves. So good. <laughs> and how does it feel when you walk into your local bookshop and your book is there on the shelf? Oh, it's always lovely. It's always so exciting. And it's lovely the messages I get from people who are enjoying the book, enjoying the first book, excited for this book. Um, I love it. It's that community means so much. You know, you you do see reviews and you think, oh, wow, that's so nice because you put so much in. It's really lovely to see that it doesn't just sort of go off into a black hole. It, it, It takes on its own life and keeps going. Brilliant. So a flower a day, happy indoor garden. Book three. <laughs> so at the moment, I call it hashtag two books and a baby. Um, <laughs> film rights, if anyone's interested. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's been so busy coming back into work and then and juggling all of that, especially with our podcast just going insane, insanely well. So um, watch this space. I'm sure, Mike, you'll be the first to know if there is another book, not another baby, one and done, um, <laughs> if there's another book coming. <laughs> <laughs> we'll change the podcast. Like <laughs> <laughs> the babysitting baby podcast. No, that, Quite, that... yeah. Something babies grow, something. Although she's getting better at gardening, which is good because we needed some help. <laughs> and how old is she now? She's going to be two. So um yeah, she she's she's picking the ripe tomatoes. At first she was picking the green ones saying blueberry. She's obsessed with blueberries. Um, so now she understands. I need to pick ripe things. Um, it, it's going better. <laughs> well, that's very early days. That's promising. <laughs> when you get five minutes to yourself, mm-hmm. <laughs> busy mother, busy journalist, busy writer, busy author, what do you like to read? Is anybody a, a type of book? Does it? Is there an antidote to the gardening? Do you like to read something different or is it all about gardening? I, I'm really enjoying um, the sort of the almanac books at the moment. So obviously, Greg, yes. shout out to Mr. Loads. Yeah. Uh, he's done one for the National Trust. Leah's one sort of came through my door, which is for next year. And, and there seems to be more and more on um, Gardener's World, do one. And I really enjoy that way of enjoying the seasons. So when I just want to kind of feel snug and cosy or present in the moment, I enjoy the way gardening lends itself into feeling okay this is what's going on with the world at the moment and finding that peace so that that's my way of branching out as much as is possible you know your husband Andrew is a gardener and are there sort of his and her parts of the garden or does it all work together very harmoniously there's his and her gardens. It sounds like I've got a huge house I don't just a front and a back so um the front garden is very botanical um with terrestrial orchids and everything all these really exciting plants that look great for about two minutes a year (laughs) which is what drives me mad and he's like don't prune anything leave it alone so it just looks like a lot of dead sticks and wood chip but um you know it is what it is and then I get the back garden so I'll tend to grow sweet peas and roses and tomatoes so I'm a bit more of um pleasure grower and he's a bit more oh that's a really interesting something or another <laughs> any plant obsessions for you any sort of collections I'm I'm mad on hostas um yeah <laughs> anything similar for you I've had so many different obsessions um I was really into auriculars for a while I mean you know 
They're great, aren't they? And and God, there's a rabbit hole there, isn't there? I got really into those um, and orchids and all sorts of bits and pieces. I... At the moment, I'm really into just making the garden look nice. I love a bargain. So I love it come Easter when all the plugs get reduced and just growing things that look good. Dahlias are obviously um, very popular with me. But no, I've gone from being quite specialised and niche and botanical to enjoying the sensory and can I eat it? (laughs) It's a fairly romantic garden, the sweet peas, the roses. (laughs) A preferred color palette are you sort of like soft pastels are you fiery reds and oranges or is it a mix of everything I prefer pastels to hot colors yeah I mean it's a bit twee now isn't it I think are we not meant to be over pastels <laughs> like said, it's your garden I mean it's you do what you want to do in your, well I do in mine Kathy Ole all day you know and I'll probably die that way it ages me but you know there we are. <laughs> now, just a few sort of quick fire questions for you. Um, are you a tulip fan? Yes, I am. Have you thought about tulips for next season? No, because I'm a bad girl gardener. I did that as a video <laughs> once last year. <laughs> I wait and get all the free tulip bulbs that get given to me by my in-laws or whatever's left, which is, you know, really late in the day. Sometimes we're talking January kind of, you know, and I get them in. And right. so I'm 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 not thinking at the moment, but um what I what I'm trying to move away from are the really big heavy headed ones because they look great till it rains and then they're just disappointing, aren't they? So so maybe some sort of smaller, smaller tulips. I think some of the, li- the lily-shaped tulips are quite nice. They tend to sort of like stand up to the weather. They look nice, but they stand up to the weather. They're just breeding them far too ambitiously now, aren't they, with these big heavy heads? We've just lost a sunflower. I know we're recording this slightly a couple of months maybe before this comes out, and our sunflower's just taken a hit, so ha. <laughs> What's next for you? In ter- So we, we've touched, I've tried to tease to see if there's a book, Um Anything else? Is there a professional bucket list or a personal bucket list for you, things that you would love to do? Gosh, I'm really enjoying the podcast. So I would say listen out for our Gardener's World magazine winter series. I, um, myself and my colleagues talked to some really great people and I had great fun recording the Christmas special. So um, the 21st of December, we've got a bit of a celeb went to their house and did a recording. So that will be really good fun. So it's 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 out of the comfort zone, this sort of stuff, but it's it, that's really good fun. So I'd like to do more celeb interviews. I think it's raising the profile of horticulture, which, hey, why not? You know, let's, let's keep helping people find us and our happiness so they can enjoy it too. And just keep learning, really. Um, I'd love to have more time to garden again. I think um, I feel quite detached, but I think that happens when you've got a one-year-old and a dog that tears up the lawn. But um, it would be nice. It would be nice to do more. My husband took over my veg patch with some perennials. I was like, "Mm." so next year I might try and reclaim my ground. (laughs) And uh, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Good luck with the new book. It's it's a great book. It's especially for somebody like me who needs the help. Good luck with that. So Bats for 12th of October. Happy indoor garden. 
good luck with the future, whatever you do. We'll be watching. If people <laughs> want to find out more about you, where can they go? They can find me on Instagram. So I am Miranda.yanatka. Um, my name says Miranda Luke because I got married. So I'm, I'm sort of dual identity at the moment. But um, professionally, I am still Miranda Yanatka. That's J-A-N-A-T-K-A. For you English people out there, you non-Eastern Europeans, you know, <laughs> got to help you out. <laughs> um, I checked that one. You won't get me. <laughs> Miranda, thank you very much indeed. Take care. Thank you, Mike. Well, my thanks to Miranda for taking time to come out and have a chat with me. As we mentioned during the podcast, Happy Indoor Garden is published by Batsford Books and is out now and is available through all good local bookshops and of course online. As always, my thanks to you for listening and hello to any new listeners. It's really lovely to have you here. Now, don't forget to follow and subscribe as there's still plenty more to come. In fact, in the next episode, I have another chat with a head gardener. As you know, I'm going to be chatting to a few head gardeners this time round. And next up, it's Harry Baldwin, who works at the beautiful Board Hill Garden in Haywards Heath. It's a great podcast, full of information, full of information about being a head gardener and board hill, and I know you're going to love it. But now I'm going to head out to my own garden for a shot of vitamin D and to sit and enjoy the garden while the sun is still shining and to generally feel a little bit sorry for myself because I'm not feeling very well. <laughs> I will see you next time. I'm only joking. I'll see you next time. Bye bye for now. Bye bye.